Welcome to the finale of uh, the Ten Commandments Sermon Series. We're so glad to have you guys with us. Don't worry, we will be having church next Sunday. Uh, <laughs> this sounds like a really bad thing, but uh, we're just going to go back to preaching on Jesus next week. Uh, actually, we're going to and move from the Old Testament back to the New Testament, uh, continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke, which is really cool, and so uh, make plans to be with us as uh, we continue to dive right into it. Well, uh, we are so glad that you guys are here. Have you guys been watching uh, the Ten Commandment Redneck last Sunday? They had Andrew got up here on stage with Children's Church, and they did the hand motions and gestures for the Redneck Ten Commandments. I would do those again for you this morning, but probably would use a finger inappropriately and, and I would get fired, so we're not going to do that. As a matter of fact, Megan Smith um, videotaped last Sunday, drilled down from her iPhone on me behind the stage while they're doing that and posted my strategically challenged version of trying to do the Ten Commandments, Redneck Ten Commandments, and she's no longer a member. But anyway, you can uh, ch check that out on Facebook and, uh, and uh, check that out so, uh, and you know, uh, tell her which good luck on finding a new church. But anyway, uh, we're glad that you guys are here today. My name is Terry Pierce. I have the wonderful privilege of over 20 years being the lead pastor here at, uh, at Connect Church. God is moving. Uh, we've been experiencing revival uh, for literally almost 18 months now. It's amazing what God is doing in your all's hearts and your all's lives. And man, we want you to be a part of that. So welcome to Connect Church. It's your if it's your first time here, we want you to go to the red tables as you leave today. Turn in. Your guest cards are located on the back of your chair, and they're going to give you some Tupelo honey and a lot of other cool stuff, and, uh, and we just want to welcome you. We love seekers here at Connect Church. That's why we exist, and uh, we are here for the finale. If you've missed the other four sermons on the Ten Commandments, we've been doing Old Testament stuff uh, for over a month now, and you can go back and you can download our sermon podcast app. You can hear all of them in your entirety, and you don't have to look at me, so that's a bonus. Or uh, you can go to our Connect Church podcast. We have two different podcasts. Connect Church podcast, put that on your phone, and that will bring up, we do a uh, live interview every week where we have fun. Uh, we do the best and the worst of the week, but we do a sermon recap, and uh, you hear the, all of the staff just having a good time with each other, some occasionally funny. And anyway, uh, check out our Connect Church podcast, and you can get a sermon recap on all of this stuff that we're doing here at Connect Church. We got to dive right into the message today. You guys are ready to go to the lake. Uh, and so uh, uh, let's get you guys going here. Here's the sermon title. We're, we're going to just dive right into it because uh, we're going to do commandments 8, 9, and 10 this morning. Finish these out. And actually, very rare, but here's the sermon title is all three points. So get your notes out early. We love note taking here at Connect Church. You brought your phone, uh, pull them up. So here's what we're talking to you guys about taking what, not, what is not yours, living a lie, and wanting others what others have. It, turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and verse. Verses 15 through 17. We just preach here at Connect Church through the Word of God, verse by verse. We just explain to you what God has told us. And so we believe these commandments were given to us by God. We believe this. We've taught you for five weeks now. They are God's guide to an extraordinary life. The question is, are you going to keep trying to do God your way? And if you keep trying to do God your way, you're going to continually hit a wall and that's where your frustration is going to be. God says, it's my call. Your life is my call. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care what road you've been down wrong, how hard it's been, and what's been done wrong to you. You just got to know, I made you. I created you for something greater than what you're going through. But you got to do it my way, baby. It's my way. God, his way is what we entitled this entire series on the Ten Commandments. 
so we, here we are this morning. Uh, let's dive right into it. Principle number one in your notes, taking what's not yours. Commandment number eight, uh, taking what's not yours. This commandment deals with taking that which does not belong to you. All right, so we got this really, it's not really hard. Uh, and this can manifest itself in a number of ways. Taking what's not yours. Exodus 20. 15. All right, y'all ready? Got it in your Bibles? It's a long read. Uh, I was going to have you stand for this because it's a lengthy passage, but we'll just do it. You shall not steal. All right, we got it? All right, so good. You guys were not, you got me out of the chair yet. All right, so some of you old folks. Anyway, uh, so us old folks. So here we are talking about you shall not steal. This commandment goes all, we're going to dig down into it first, and then we're going to apply it to your life and mine. This commandment goes all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden, uh, Garden of Eden, according uh, to Dr. Danny Aiken, an Old Testament scholar. And he makes the case, and I think he's right, that all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, don't take the apple, which, rep, which was the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Don't touch it. They had everything that they could ever want in the garden, Jim. One thing that you can't touch, and what did they do? They acted just like you all. They did the one thing that God asked them not to do, and they stole the apple and the downfall of humanity and all of the other problems that we have. Here's what Dr. Danny Aiken says about this commandment and digging deeper into the text. He says, we must remember what we have is not our own. This is good. You want to write this down? Take a picture. God is our provider. And if God gives us what we need, then there is no need to steal. It's all about your perspective. I love that. It's all about your perspective, Josh. If we remember that God is good and he wants to give us what we need, then you're never going to have to break the eighth commandment because you're going to wait on him and trust on him to provide what you need. Isn't that awesome? And so according to Barna Research, 86% of Americans recently surveyed said they never break this commandment. And they all went to a Baptist church like you guys. Ouch. So you're saying, Pastor Terry, let's move on to number nine. Let's get on with this puppy. Let's hold your horses. Let's not jump the gun here. Let's do a little brainstorming this morning. So let me ask you, uh, I'm not so sure I believe this, and we're going to talk about y'all that just filled this survey out coming up next. Uh, but anyway, so uh, on the commandment about not stealing, so let's talk about, because you guys obviously don't steal, so what are some things that other people in your family steal, uh, or your neighbors? Uh, what are some things that, uh, and, and I just want to do this rhetorical this morning, shout out some things that you know other people steal because you guys are too righteous to do that. So uh, what are some things that we tend to steal from time to time? Shout out real quickly. Paper clips. <laughs> uh, all right. Anybody work in an office around other offices? Okay. Uh, paper clips or a medical field. Uh, <laughs> I did not expect that one to come. I wrote down a whole list of stuff I was ready to comment on. That was not in there. All right. Uh, somebody else. Uh, what is something that we tend to, you, people you know steal? What? what? Uh, candy? Is that what you said? All right, I thought you said eggs. All right, I was going to, uh, man, somebody's stealing eggs from the chickens, went to shoot them. All right, all right, so okay, that's just wrong there. Candy? All right, steal candy from the dish. By the way, speaking of the candy one, that just got me all riled up right here. Y'all Baptist hypocrites. 
Yeah, it's, it's Memorial Day, so I'm just going to say it. Y'all, we, I have never stole anything in my life. And I go to Canute Church. Horse potatoes. Right? Here's why. I'm just telling you. For years, 20 plus years, we have put sign-up sheets out at our Welcome Center, guest services, whatever we called them over the years. And for years, we've had them lined up. Sign up for this, sign up for that. And every single week for 20 years, there's no pins on the sign-up sheets. <laughs> Somebody said in the staff meeting, well, I guess the Jehovah's Witnesses coming in again. Well, I don't know, because we Baptists wouldn't do that. Baloney, they missing. And somebody took them. And I'm just saying... So now we do have to do sign-ups online because y'all steal the pins from the church. I hope they break. Anyway, sorry. All right. Sorry. Get ink all over. No. All right. Uh, just a pet peeve. I've always wanted to share that. It's been just like running in me for years. All right. So, uh, so there's different things that we steal from. All right. You, you guys went off the rails here. I didn't, uh, not me, but you guys. Uh, so here's some other things maybe we steal. What about jewelry? What about someone's job? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I said it. Oh, yeah, they would get personal now, preacher. All right, now let's get real. Stole someone's girlfriend? Back up, Jack. All right, we're going now. Now we're getting real. All right, stole someone's girlfriend. And uh, what about time? And then I know there's something that every one of you are going to really struggle with this temptation today. Have you ever stole any gas? <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, you with it? All right, okay, that's, that's valid. I'll give you a pass on that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that we all struggle from one time to time. But you know there's some other things that we struggle with stealing? What about your talent from God? All right, let me just throw one out here for Ashley and, uh, and Bailey and Andrew in the children's department, preschool and nursery. If you have two arms and two legs and you have the ability to sit and play with children and you're not volunteering to serve in the nursery, maybe you're stealing from God. Ouch. Boy, he got really quiet. We, God has given us all gifts and yet we don't do anything in the church. Now let's get really fun. Um, look in your wallet. When's the last time or your bank statement this morning and that you've given a tithe and given God his 10%. And... Um, so do we ever steal money? Well, that's my money. No, not really. Because God gave you the body and the health and the strength, and he blessed you with a job and an income. And he says, just give me 10% so I can get your heart, and then I'm going to bless the other 90 and help you use it more wisely so you're not in debt up to your eyeballs. But you've got to start with me. So have we ever stolen God's, not our money, but God's money? Man, you could hear a pin drop. All right, uh, here's what Proverbs 20, 17 says about this. Bread gained by deceit. So this is wisdom you need to read through the book of Proverbs. By the way, in our new reading plan, launching Monday, did I mention that? We're going to have a Psalms and a Proverb that you can read every day. I love that. So we're going to give you a little Old Testament with reading through a chapter every day. Keeps the devil away, all that good stuff. I didn't invent that. Somebody else said that. So here we are, verse 17 of Proverbs. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravity. Now, that's some words to think about, isn't it? So interesting. Uh, so here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your notes, and we're going to see how this proverb really is consequential in your life and mine. When we steal from God or when we steal from other things, there are consequences to breaking the Eighth Commandment. This is what Proverbs 2017 is teaching us. Here's what they are. First of all, 
I live with a guilty conscience and the fear of getting caught. If you understand this morning, if you're here today and you've been blood-bought, that's what we say here, you've been blood-bought by Jesus Christ in the cross. Amen? We just sang about it. Jesus came and he died for us. He rose again on the third day. Y'all just got happy. Y'all were just clapping. We, got, we, we believe that. Amen, Jane? We believe that, that Jesus died for us. So then, blood-bought, Jesus has redeemed you. You immediately, in your salvation decision, at that moment, in that second, receive something called the third part of the Trinity that Baptist churches are terrified of and some of you all self-righteous people don't like to talk about because we don't want to get emotional. It's called the Holy Spirit! And he's here this morning and he's speaking into your heart and your life. It's just y'all want knowledge, but you don't want the Spirit to change how you think and how you feel about Well, I just feel this way. This is what I'm comfortable with. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit needs to upset your apple cart and move in your life because it needs to be less about you and more about him. Now, here's the unbelievable thing. When you do and break this commandment, the Holy Spirit is no longer going to be speaking to you. And that should scare the living daylights out of you. The Holy Spirit cannot bless you and guide you when you have sin in your life. And so the consequences of breaking this commandment is a guilty conscience and God's voice is no longer guiding you day by day. And so folks, we need to get right with God, not because we're trying to impress one another, but because we want the Holy Spirit's freedom to bless us. And even if you're not a Christian, the fear of getting caught from stealing becomes gravel in your mouth. So it robs us ultimately, what I'm arguing, of not only the presence of God and his joy, but it robs us of joy because every, when you steal, when you stole from the company and you didn't fill out your taxes, I know this is terrible, I'm gonna offend everybody here. You didn't, you cheated on your taxes. And I get it, I'm not gonna lie, I want to. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, uh, it irritates me that I have to pay that much. So I, I'm just being honest with you, but don't do it. I don't like it. I'm voting them all out. But I'm just telling you, it's still the law, and we're commanded to be obedient. Because here's why. Here's why I pay the taxes begrudgingly. is because I don't want to get a letter from the IRS and panic and freak out that the preacher got arrested because he stole from the government. A guilty conscience. When you cheat on a test at school and you leave, leave, leave the room with a fear that your classmates are gonna rat you out and you're gonna get kicked out of school. It leaves a gravel taste in your mouth. And so this morning, we live with a guilty conscience and the fear of getting caught. Another consequence, number two, is that I could ruin my reputation and future. I mean, the truth is none of us wanna be known as a thief. And if we did do break this eighth commandment, we understand this morning that the, just the truth is we can lose everything. Um, you lose your reputation at work, and you, lose, you just lose your reputation. I heard about the story of a person that was in a court hearing, and, and um, there was eight, uh, and actually I saw this, and so eight people were lined up, 
and uh, nine people were lined up. Eight of them were there uh, to be charged, uh, I'm sorry, all nine of them were there to be charged with their uh, stealing. And they, uh, most of them were petty larceny cases, and so they started at this end, went through, and he said, and he went through each one, and they had to confess it. So he said, yeah, dang it, man, he said, and this was some of uh, um, Lee County's finest, and uh, man, yeah, I was at the store, and I had bread money, but I didn't have no beer money, and yeah, I stuck a 12-pack underneath my arm and walked out, and said, all right, all right, uh, and yeah, they went down the list, so these were high-dollar criminals here, and so uh, some of y'all, man, I know, uh, I've been there, but anyway, and so they're going down the whole list, and he, uh, you know, he says the next one, he goes, yeah, man, I, you know, I was, man, I had the weed in my car, and you know, and, and they were just, you know, just going, Lee County's finest, y'all get in the picture, all right, and so they, and they looked apart, the you know, they were rough-looking folks, and, and I was like, God bless them, and you know, and all this, and then we get to the last person. And this lady's dressed to the nines. I mean, she's just, you know, dolled out all of that. And the judge says, so what did you do? And she goes, I stole $100,000 from a church. And I'm not kidding. All of the other eight, rough looking crowd, petty criminals, they all turn and go, ooh. And one of them whispered, she going to hell. Uh, you know, I'm just telling you. Uh, and so when well, you lose your reputation, you can think that I go to Connect Church, you know, and I looked apart and I do all that and dressed up and stuff. But the truth of the matter is, <laughs> when we steal, we lose our reputation no matter what kind of church member we think we are. And so there's consequences to disobeying the Eighth Commandment. Now, let me encourage you guys with some things. There are some benefits to not yielding to this temptation. And here's the first one, people trust me. The benefit to being obedient to God, to not stealing, is that people, we, we, we learn to develop a relationship of honesty with other people, and this is a big deal. We want other people to have confidence in us because we just did the right thing. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we choose to do the right thing and we set this kind of reputation up. And I'm just telling you, trust with other people, and I'm talking to my church family now, it's a big deal. And again, it's not that we're perfect, and we're going to hit this in just a second. But this week has been a horrible week for me, emotionally. Not only the shooting, watching our country tear itself apart, but then it sort of flew under the radar because of the Texas shooting but the Southern Baptist Convention, and even though we're not technically a part of that, there's a fellowship with these guys, and some of them are my mentors. And um, I don't know if you all saw it in the news, but for 30 years, the executive leaders in the denomination have been covering up sexual abuse from pastors with women in the church, and even a few cases of children. And I sit down here, I just sit on the stage, and I want to do it again today. It just makes me nauseated, Miss Sander. The church ought to be a safe place that women and children can come to without having to face the crap of the sexual stuff that goes on in our culture and society. Can I get a witness? And a few of these people I actually know well and have mentored me. Man, you just do a lot of soul searching. God help me. 
to always be obedient because I just don't want to lose the trust of the people that I have the responsibility to shepherd. And by the way, this is what we did Wednesday night because this is just what we do here, is we just prayed over our entire staff because the number one target that the devil wants to do is take down Tanner and Andrew and me, and he starts with us, and then he's coming after you. We need to be people who desire to do the right thing because not only do we love Jesus, but we want to earn the trust of people because of Jesus. I am also the benefit to doing the right thing is I'm able to enjoy what I have. And so you need to know this morning that we're able to enjoy what God's blessed us with. And the real joy is, is that understanding that I don't have to go and steal this because of what other people have done. I want to be happy. And I want uh, to be able to enjoy that what I have got in my life is because I did the right thing. And, and I'm just telling you, I've lived through stages in my life. Uh, God has blessed us. God has blessed us in a great position. Our church takes good care of us. It'd be one of those rare churches where I'm not begging for money and saying the church doesn't take care of me. Now, I've been in those churches for the, <laughs> probably almost the majority of my ministry, but, but here has been different, and I thank God for you guys. But man, I have been there where our kids were on welfare, and we didn't have any money, and I was a college graduate, and we were just struggling to make $10,000, $12,000 a year uh, in a church, and, and all those kind of things, and, and went on with three kids. But uh, So I've been there, and I understood that, and man, there were so many times that I would be mad at God because I didn't have what other people and the other preachers had and other people in the church had, and, and, and I remember just being envious and all of those things, it, but I'm so thankful today on this side of it that by being obedient to God and letting Him take me through the hard season. And by the way, when you start out at the bottom and you have to wade through that season of your life, you sure do enjoy when God blesses you with more and you realize where it comes from. That's a great lesson for today's generation, isn't it? Anyway, just saying, so man, I'm just telling you, don't cheapen it, don't cheat, because God wants to help you. All right, here's where we want to move to. Commandment number nine. All right, I promise you we're going to keep moving. All right, number nine, commandment number nine, live in a lie. Write it down in your notes. Commandment number nine, live in a lie. They did another survey. Uh, I don't know why I've got a lot of surveys today. Normally, don't, but anyway, here's where, here's where we're at. They did another survey asking people how many times, now this is good. I've got to read this one because I don't want to mess this up. How many times do you lie, have you lied in the last 24 hours? Don't raise your hands. All right, now how many times have you lied in the, in the last 24 hours? And this gets good. Now, here's what they found out in the survey. The average American lies 1.65 times, 1.65 times every 24 hours. Now, I'm confident that you guys are above average. <laughs> Some of y'all get that, okay? Uh, anyway, and uh, so, uh, <laughs> this is terrible. It's a holiday, nobody's watching. All right. <laughs> So this is, this is what else, <laughs> yeah, we just do this every week. They found out 40%, now this is interesting, 40% of people admitted, admitted to having told a lie in the, 20, in the last 24 hours. So here's the survey. Now, once you get the logic down, in the survey, 1.65 people said, I've told a lie in the last 24 hours, but only 40% admitted that they've told a lie, so the 60% are lying on the survey. I'm just telling you, we, we really blow this one out. And, and so, so here it is. So 
I, I want you to think about, and I don't want you to raise your hand, have you ever lied? And the truth is, probably the majority of us have at one time or another, and so this is one that, that really does hit home. So when is the last time you lied? Not necessarily a big lie, but we're going to talk about some things maybe that you haven't thought of. And, and I know, and we're going to get into legalism here, because I know that some people, I'll tell you what, I caught such and such in the church in a lie, and I can never be their friend. I'm never trusting them again. I got a feeling that you've probably lied too, not only in your self-righteous judgment and your legalism, but I guarantee you, but when I get done with you, or what the Bible does here, we're going to find out that we probably need to be a lot less judgmental on this and a lot more confessional and forgiving. So let's just dive into it. All right, you're all ready? So I'm talking about little white lies, black lies, big lies, small lies, whatever you're talking about. Are you ready? You know, here we are. Um, when you're getting, let's, let's, just, let's just drill down. Let's get real this morning. That's what we do at a Connect Church. So how many of you last night were out with your girlfriends? Or out with your, well, let's say it won't work. So you were out with your girlfriends, and your girlfriend said to you last night, how do I look in this dress? And you all looked at your friend and man, that dress looked nasty on her. I mean, it did not fit. And you're thinking, she goes out like this, I'm going to look way better than her. And so you just lied out your teeth. And you said, yeah, you wear that. That looks good on you. And you're going, man. Anyway, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. So if that didn't hit you, let me try another one. Are you all ready? How many of you yelled around the back of your house to your husband and said, I know it's Memorial Day, but we're going to church. Praise God, are you ready? And your husband lied out of his teeth, or depending on what county you're from, his tooth. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's not in the notes, I promise you. And anyway, uh, <laughs> it just hit me in my brain. But anyway, and, he <laughs> and so, and, uh, and he yelled, yeah, I'm almost ready. And you walk into the family room, and he's sitting there watching Sports Center. He ain't shaved, he ain't brushed that tooth, and he ain't ready for church. And he just lied to you before coming to God's holy house. All right, don't raise your hands if that happened. You can deal with Jesus later. And so the truth of the matter is, we do this in a variety of ways. And we lie to our spouses, and we lie to our bosses, and we're trying to keep them all from getting out of trouble. Well, here's the commandment. Let's dig deeper into it. Commandment number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, depending on what version that you had it, and when we was growing up as kids, we heard it as you shall not lie. But if you want to be technical this morning, and we are, we're going to dig down into this. When you really look at the text and what's really in God's word, you realize that it's much more complicated that he says, and he's, remember Moses has given this to the Israelites. And for those of you that are first time hearing this, we packed all of this in about who the audience was. And so we, we just don't have time this morning. But Dr. Peter Inns, Old Testament scholar, is arguing, arguing that the Israelites at the bottom of the mountain, remember all of that that we took, took you guys through, what he's saying to the people is, is he's saying, as we begin to conquer this promised land and we move into this holy land, when you have disputes, and you are going to have disputes, and when you go to court and you have this one testifying against this, we can have no justice as a group of people in society if you're going to lie and never 
tell the truth in a courtroom setting. And he's really setting them up to say, literally, the fabric of the whole Jewish nation will come unraveled if we do not tell the truth and where there will be no justice. Isn't that an interesting comprehend, or, or, um, interpretation of this passage? Would be to God that from Washington, D.C., around this country, we would get the ninth commandment down. Can I get a witness this morning? And telling the truth. Here's what Dr. Peter N. says about this commandment. It's with the other commandments. The focus for this one is not solely on personal morality. That's what we're quick to judge for the sake of being good. That's talking about us Baptists. But it's rather on how one's behavior affects the health and well-being of the fledging, uh, fledging Israelite community. The ninth commandment is not just covering the oath, however. I believe that we can apply it to how you and I live. How you and I live. So, come on, Pastor Terry, you mean every lie? Yeah, I'm saying that it does command us. We need to be people of integrity. And I'm talking about every way that we do this has a detrimental re relationship, uh, effect on our relationship with God and us. So I'm, let me look at some of the consequences real quickly here this morning about disobeying the ninth commandment. People won't believe what I say. When you and I lie, people not believe what we say. The old adage, don't have time to go there, but you know, the wolf, crying wolf. B, as I bring harm to myself and to others. As a pastor, I've seen this so many times. I've witnessed so many people over the years, even in our church, watch their marriages break apart because a spouse lied about this situation. They didn't think their spouse would understand or maybe they just made a stupid, sinful choice. And rather than coming clean, I've literally, and you just gotta know, if you come to me and say, man, this is what I'm, you know, and I hear it secondhand, that this has been happening in your life, and I've been there, unfortunately, too many times. And every time I'll say, I'm telling you now, I will help you now. You're gonna get an opportunity at grace and forgiveness. But if you're lying to me, I need to know every situation and everything that you have been cheating on, doing wrong, whatever you have been abusing, and I'm telling you now, you've got one opportunity with me to get this right, come clean now, but I'm telling you, if I find out you're lying, I promise you, you don't wanna have me come after you because I'm a bulldog. I will not back down, and I will take you down. Unequivocally, I mean, you have to protect the integrity of your church family and the safety of everything, and so we've gotta learn, and, and it just brings harm to ourselves and others, and I've watched too many people do this. It also causes us to live in fear with being find out. So once you begin to lie to cover up the lie, you have to say another lie to cover up the other lie. Abraham Lincoln, the president, said this, no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. I love that. I'm just telling you, you're in fear of being found out. You're gonna continually live in that fear of being found out. So we go back to the Old Testament again in the book of Proverbs. This is why we've got a Proverbs with you every day. Uh, if you're on our reading here plan journal, because they're awesome, I do it personally for years. Here's Proverbs 11.3, another word of wisdom to live by on this issue. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous 
destroy them. The truth of the matter is, this whole subject matter being found out, uh, when we violate this commandment, this ninth commandment, it tends to, to just know that eventually this stuff's going to come out and it's going to get caught and you're always going to pay for this. Let me illustrate it to you this morning in a practical way. For all of our self-righteous crowd that says, well, I never lie, and, you know, if you lie, I'm never having fellowship with you, and I can't work with you, and I can't do blah, 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 whatever church people that are really good about judging one another. Well, they didn't ever, they didn't tell the truth on this issue. They sang a song, or they did something in the children, whatever. You need to learn that you're probably not as holy as you think you are. Let me give you an example. So if I haven't gotten you now, let's try this one. <clears throat> I'm announcing today that y'all come back next Sunday, and I am going to sing a solo. <laughs> they don't know the new people that I can't sing. So, just to give you a little taste, next Sunday, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. All right, all right, so you understand this morning for all the new people, not only can I not sing, I don't understand singing, songing. I don't understand. I don't, the, the people that do all those variations of whatever they're supposed to be called, I don't get any of that stuff. I don't hear that stuff. I just sing to Jesus. Me and Jesus have a good time when I'm singing, Alan, and that's all that matters. So I come to Tanner, our music minister, and say, Brother Terry's going to sing a solo next week. Now, for those of you that are pie in the sky, we've always got to be positive and encouraging people and my kids, and they never do anything wrong. So what happens if Tanner says to me, well, I don't want to offend Brother Terry, not because he's just my boss, but I don't want to offend him. And so rather than tell me, I love you, dude, but man, you cannot carry a tune in a bucket. And if you sing, I promise you, you will empty the auditorium. Nobody wants to hear that caterwauling. I mean, it just, it sounds like you're killing a cat when I sing. Nobody wants to hear that. Now, would you rather have Tanner get up, not only let me make a fool of myself, offend your earlobes and everything else that's holy and good, and destroy the spirit of the services by trying to be nice and positive to me by letting me sing? Now, the truth of the matter is, is Tanner needs to stand up and say, man, I love you, bro. We're in this with Jesus. We're going to fight hell. We're going to go serve him, and we're on the same team. But, bro, you cannot sing on Sunday morning in our church. Amen. You with him? And the truth of the matter is because there's, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And there's so many times that we, as Christian Baptist people, won't tell the truth because we're afraid to offend someone or we'll hurt our kids' self-image. You need to tell your kids the truth. And if I haven't nailed you about being self-righteous of judging everybody else about whether they're lying or not, how many of you have ever lied to your kids when, you're, when they had a pet die? Oh, you're not going there. That little goldy fish is swimming upside down in a little thing of water. You knew you weren't going to get it home from the pet store before that thing would die. And sure enough, He's already upside down. And so, what do you do to your kid? You tell your kid a lie. Well, he's, you know, at the vet. No, he's not. He's dead. You tell him, well, he's swimming in the big ocean with all the other fish. No, he's not. 
And you just went down the commode. And I'm not saying you have to make him watch you flush it, but, but I am saying, but I am saying, you realize that pet's not coming back. And even when you're trying to hurt, not hurt your kid's feelings, you know the thing is, mom and dad, Ms., Mr. and Mrs. Positive, your kids are going to get hurt all their life because we live in a sin-cursed world. And level one needs to be to be honest and say, you know what, this did happen. I'm sorry, I don't want to lie to you. And I want to tell you the truth. And we're going to pray, and Jesus is going to comfort us, and we're going to get through this. Is that not a better way to go than to lie to our kids? Ouch. Where's all my millennial men, Gen Z parents? Well, I don't want my kid to feel bad. Well, guess what? Your kid's going to feel bad pretty soon, and I would rather teach my kid how to feel bad while they're still under my roof for them to get out there in the world and become nut jobs because they didn't ever know the truth that this life sucks sometimes, many times, and it's going to be painful, and I want to teach them how to bring Jesus hope into all of the sucky situations. Can I get a witness? So we need to quit lying, even in our own families. And maybe we need to quit judging when everybody else has not done it our way. Can I, can I hit on this real quickly, too, about this thing about lying? Back to my pastors, and maybe to you this morning, that this is the end-all commandment. When I read the list in the report this week about these pastors... I had to go home. I wanted to throw up. It just broke my heart. It scared me to death. About the future of all times we needed the church to be on fire. Satan's just attacking us as a nation. And God's saying, when are y'all going to wake up and run to me? We need revival. And this is what we've been praying for here in our church. And this is what we want for our country is what's happening here in our community. We're praying for it in Tupelo, other churches, not just us. Thank God. But you realize that as painful as this is, what the greater sin is, is not the fact of what they did was bad enough, but it's the lie of covering it up. Now here's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not talking about safety issues, and yes, and that's what I was told you earlier, we we're going to protect our kids, and we're going to protect the women in our church, and this has got to be a safe zone, and man, I'm just telling you, we have no tolerance for that, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that many wounded people have done stupid things and made sinful choices. And I want you to know that there's this thing called grace. And when Jesus, and we come clean and we quit lying about our sins and we own what our sins are, I want to tell you this morning, welcome to Connect Church. Welcome to the kingdom of God because that pastor on that list will, can repent and he can be forgiven. And eventually through a season of, uh, of correction and, 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 and dealing with it, can come back and, be, and serve God. I want to let you know this morning, I don't care what commandment you you've broken. We need to learn to forgive one another. We need to learn to let other people be held accountable to one another. But when they go through the process, it is time for you to get over the past. Forgive, forgive, and forgive. And let's come together and continue to storm the gates of hell. Can I get an amen? It's time that we do not judge and destroy our wounded, but we try to help them when they're honest and come clean. So this morning, 
I want to leave you with a final commandment. Wanting what others have. And I wanted to land here, and we got a few minutes. And so let me just land here on our final one, because I think this one's a big one. Wanting what others have. The commandments, this commandment highlights the twisted desire of the mankind of discontentment. Instead of being thankful and desire, instead of being thankful for what we have, we covet and desire what everybody else has. Look with me. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey. If you're reading from the King James, if I read it, I would have gotten in trouble. But anyway, or anything that is your neighbor's. Dr. Danny Aiken says about this is the definition of covetous, and this is awesome. Covet, that word, is about the heart. It's about the desire that may or may not lead to an act, but even if there is no action, it is still wrong because our desire should be on God. I love that. That is so good. We have to be careful this morning that we in many ways tend to covet after one another's stuff. If there's ever a sin of the Ten Commandments, to me, in my opinion, my opinion, just Terry, not preaching here, but just Terry, if there's a greatest sin of all of the Ten Commandments, this is it. Because in our 21st century postmodern culture, there is a sin every single day. Y'all are going to struggle with this commandment this afternoon. Y'all couldn't go to the lake, you didn't go to the beach, you didn't go to the mountains, you didn't go everybody else. But what are y'all going to look at for the next four hours on the social media as everybody's having a party today. Everybody's at the lake on their boat today. Everybody's having a good time. And you're going, I ain't got no boat. If you're Alan, all he's got is a new calf and a donkey. He's really got one. If you want to be covet, covet the tree. The matter is, I saw a picture of it this morning. He was showing me a calf. The donkey was in the back. Anyway, uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that we all look at everybody every day and go, they've got the perfect life and their life is so good. Are you morons? Because their life is not perfect. They're only showing you all the fun stuff because they don't show you what, what happens in the darkness. And so we wind up killing ourselves, coveting what other people don't even have. And the truth is that God wants to provide for you and I something so much better. So here's the consequences to violating the, coven, the, the, the coveting sin. I am dissatisfied with what I have, so I'm angry with God. You know when you covet, you realize that what you're really saying is God's not giving me what I want, and you begin to think, well, my life and all my stuff is just junk. And you, you know what you're going to do, don't you? You're going to blame God. Listen to me this morning real quick. If you find yourself griping about other people in church, I don't like them. You, you look around. Start with me, and you usually do. You're going to find, look at my hands. You're going to find a plethora, multiple, whatever magnified number of multiplication you want, problems with me and stuff that I do wrong, so just I'm just telling you, pony up, go ahead and sign me up, because I've got a whole long list of faults, and trust me, you can stay after church, and you'll be here all day with everybody discussing them, and by the way, they are there, and they're real. So are yours. And maybe, just maybe, 
if we spent less time judging one another, maybe the reason you can't stand so many other people and you spend all your time talking about everybody else's faults is because down deep you're really coveting what they have or what you want. Now this gets real. And the whole time, if you're miserable and you find yourself complaining about other people and judging them all the time, maybe it's because you're not happy. I'm talking about you as leaders. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about us as staff. Maybe down deep, you're the problem. You and I are not happy with where God's put us and what we have in our life. And I'm just telling you, number two, I'm more likely to get in debt to fall into bigger sins. The truth of the matter is, until you solve this problem of you not being happy and you wanting all this other stuff or different life, or maybe you're not dealing with what you need to in your life, it's going to lead to bigger bigger sins, and you're going to get yourself in trouble. So how do we overcome this temptation? And by the way, all those people that you're coveting after, you realize they're all in debt up to their eyeballs. So how about you just be happy with what you have? So here's the practical steps and I'll let you go. Here's how we learn to overcome this temptation of coveting. Choose contentment over comparison. I love that. That is so good. Man, I choose to just be happy. I live in Morville, Mississippi. After the last 18 years, I may not have as much as you do, but I got Jesus on my side. I got my, mar my yard mowed yesterday. I still got a little bit of gas. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had food on my table, grilled out hamburgers last night. I may not have what you have. I may not be out on the lake tonight. And by the way, God bless you if you have all that stuff. I want you to be out on the lake. I want you to have a good time. God wants to bless. He's just not going to bless all of us the same, whether we got a donkey or whether we got a boat or whether we got our yard mowed. I'm just telling you, be happy in the life that Jesus has given you. Amen? Contentment over comparison. Thank God. That, that needs to be a new slogan. Got a donkey boat or, or yard mowed. Anyway, so I, I don't know. Probably not. Thank God for what you already have. The more time you'll do that, the more time you'll do that, the less temptation you're going to have to covet. And let her see, I trust that God will meet all my needs. At the end of the giving of the Ten Commandments, the people stood in fear. Now here's the story, not even on the movie with Charlton Heston, do you remember? And I want you to look at the screen this morning. And I'll be done. And he said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Here's the setting. The nation of Israel is at the bottom of the mountain. God has given Moses the Ten Commandments, the smoke the, the words, the voice, and the people are terrified, just like you all have heard the word today. And you know what you're going to be tempted to do on a sermon like this is you're going to be walk, tempted to go out. You know what? The truth of the matter is, I can never, ever obey the Ten Commandments. The truth is, preacher, if I'm honest, I've lied this week, I stole this week, and man, I sure have coveted what other people have had this week. And you're going to tend to be in fear just like the nation of Israel was that day. But I've got great news for you this morning. You're in the right place. 
and you're in the right house. Today may very well change the destiny for not only heaven and hell, but your peace and your joy in this life. Now here's the word. You realize the Ten Commandments were not given you so that you would live a perfect life and you would obey them. Let me say that again. They were not given to you to live the perfect life or so that you would obey them. Here's what they were given for. Christ was born under the law of the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled the law in every respect. He paid the penalty that the law required and he bore the curse of the law on the cross. Are you with me, church, this morning? He paid the penalty of the law that we broke and he bore the curse of the law on the cross. You see, we cannot keep God's law perfectly. All of us are guilty. But Jesus gives us forgiveness. He gives us a new, a new heart. And he leaves us with the presence of the Holy Spirit to win this battle. Now here's what we want you to leave with. Therefore our hope and our power does not come from our law keeping, but from his law keeping. Jesus has already fulfilled the law today. <laughs> no matter where you are, you run to him. And the only way you can be saved is not by keeping the Ten Commandments, but it's running to the one who already has. And he says, let me help you. And I will show you my grace and forgiveness. Shall we stand? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for incredible truth that you've just blessed our hearts and our minds with today. And as we stand here before you this morning, knowing that we're guilty as charged, yeah, we've all failed in one way or another. But because we have the Holy Spirit as church, this morning, we come to you in forgiveness and humility and say, God, help me to stop the judging. Help me to look inward of why that I want to lie, steal, or covet because I'm really not happy. This is a real problem. And the problem is, is I'm not listening to your spirit. I keep doing it my way. And eventually I'm breaking the commandments as much as anybody else. I just never saw it. Or maybe you're here today and man, you've been trying to figure this whole Christianity thing out squirrely preacher today in a Indianapolis 500 shirt and, and man this guy didn't even seem like his cheese is on his crackers but all I know is is somehow some way the Holy Spirit is tugging at my heart and saying that God loves me and he wants to forgive me and I just figured out for the first time today I don't have to get everything right I don't have to do it all right he wants me as I am he wants me as I am today he wants me and he wants to have a relationship and because He's already fulfilled the law. I can run to him today and to be saved. Amen, church. This morning, if you're in one of those two groups and you need to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, I run to Jesus today, would you come as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.